0: overwhelming turbulent times but that also means there is major potential to fill the cracks with new ideas and to transform these destructive systems there are specific root causes for problems and holistic solutions everywhere there is room for prosperity there is room for regeneration and a shift in values another reality is possible and that's what we're exploring here today welcome to sage talking
1: My name is Natasha, I am from Austria, I was born and raised here and um, have a law, I have a law background um, and actually quite early in my life realized that um, the footprints that I want to leave behind, um, well I want to, to minimize them or, or actually leave more positive in, in this world than negative. Um, so. This was one of the, of the major, or should I say, awakenings or messages I got when it was about I would say 20, 21, 22. And this, and I, I think you know that as a climate activist too, there is the, the first moment you, you start realizing that um, you start to see changes or you start making changes in every aspect of life, right? So you would then change the way you eat, you would maybe change the way where you live or um, how you live or how you buy products, etc. And so, yeah, this, this is something that really changed me in, in many ways. Um, regarding my occupation um, right now, um, because of the law background, I started um, to, to become more active, not only as an activist, but also in, in writing. Um, down my thoughts, which, yeah, well, now um, started to become sort of an occupation. Um, So I'm a keynote speaker um, and I started um, also publishing um, mostly about the topics of gender justice and climate justice. So these are the two major topics that get me up or get me out of bed every morning. I Mm -hmm. do have to say, um, for example, now you... Uh,
0: kind of addressed me as a as a climate activist and I've already noticed that you're very outspoken about gender issues climate mm-hmm. issues and obviously we have to give all of these things names you also identify uh, for example on your Instagram bio um, as a feminist as a climate mm-hmm. activist and I actually never um, you know would label myself a mm-hmm. climate activist. And um, um, for me, it's just more like I'm a, I'm a person and I'm mm-hmm. seeing what's happening in the world mm-hmm. and I try to act on that and uh, kind of um, live my values or the values mm-hmm. that I would like to see more of in the world or the mm-hmm. things that I'm trying to learn. And I think this is very interesting. You know the the labeling also that's that's happening today and the ways mm-hmm. people identify. And obviously, if you if you have something like a LinkedIn profile or an Instagram profile, you're going to put something on there to give people some sort of orientation of who is this oh, person. Yeah. You know True. what does yeah. that person do? But on the other hand, mm-hmm. and maybe this is something um, uh, we could also touch on i think it right now especially on social media and even mm. in the workplace of professional life it does have um the quality to to separate and divide people oh yeah That's um because I'm seeing different, you know, kind of camps being set up. You mm-hmm. know, po- political left, political yeah, right. Yeah, it's either
1: white or black, and there is no gray zone in between. I feel. Yeah,
0: yeah and I, I yeah. really think that the nuances are missing, and this is something that can really has the ability to irritate me to no end, because I think, you know, you can be, you can be so many things, and you're not just. <laughs> what you believe in politics, you're, you're you're not just, you know, even if somebody came up to you and said, uh, Natasha, I don't identify as a feminist, even though mm-hmm. I'm a woman or whatever, I, I think it, it's important to say, okay, somebody could say that to you and you could have a discussion about that topic, but then you could still like each other as people and go out for coffee afterwards. So maybe yep. you could uh, talk about it, um, The people who you're working with, people you hold dear, Um, Mm -hmm. and maybe also, especially in Vienna, I mean, it also changes from city to city how um, how uh, kind of set people are on on what you're on what these what some people call political wokeness, new type of values are. So, how do you experience that in your environment, and what are some of your thoughts on this? Kind of newer phenomenon because it's it's kind of a more recent thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think, and I I one hundred percent agree. Um, why why was it important for me to actually give myself those kind of tags? Or, or first of all, I think it's a sense of belonging that people would have if they want to reach out to me because they they tend to be very either interested in in these topics or. Um, really want to have this discussion about how do you define feminism and why are you a feminist? Um, I had a great discussion yesterday with um, great women and they told me um, about a survey they did in Austria where um, 80% of the women living here said that they would not consider themselves as feminists. After explaining what feminism means, 77% of them Said well, then I would um, consider myself a feminist.
0: Yeah, so, and and that's I think very yeah. interesting what you're saying now after explaining what the word means. Because I mean, the definition of feminism and correct me if I'm wrong is simply believing that men and women should have equal rights, which should probably make everybody a feminist. But exactly, it's
1: it's about freedom for all in the end. This is this is the de- yeah equal yeah,
0: rights. Yeah, but I think. Yeah. The complicated thing here, and I don't know if you encounter this, is words like feminist, feminism, climate activist. That's why I am sometimes, I think you, I mean, for just for the sake of understanding, you have to put certain concepts into words because otherwise, how are you going to communicate? But these words like feminist, climate activist, they have gotten such also a negative reputation because I think, some people are also using them for extremes and to alienate alienate other people. So I, I think it's a very difficult conversation. Maybe you can respond to
1: that. Yes, because, yeah, I agree. What's happening on social media, and I'm not talking about those, you know, there is, as you said, there is no zone in between, which I think is very, very dangerous, Um, And I wouldn't consider myself as a, um, how should I say, a radical feminist in terms of um, how, you know, it's about communicating, but also learning at the same time, I'm not, I'm not here to be right, I'm here to get it right, as I always say, and this is why um, discussions with other feminists, um, you know, either woke part or not, is, is really crucial to me, and The femin feminism is something that belongs to itself with which a lot of people, unfortunately, um, don't understand anymore. And um, so. Again, I I think and I'm trying to to come back to your question because. um, But yeah, first of all, I think. The definition is something that is out there already, um, and it's it's pretty clear. And there have been some some new waves coming in and. And. you know, that that also made people afraid. Because when we talk about the, the first wave of feminism and, and what happened in the 70s, you know, it was mainly about things that were so crucial to women and so important that they still are. And when you look into our neighbor countries and you see that basically most of those rights that we thought were, were granted after fighting for them for so many years, um, are taken from women again, you know. Yeah. Um, we really have to, 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 I think, take a step back and and look at what has happened before. There is this beautiful word that um, a, a great writer from Austria, Gertrude Kem, uses. It's called fossilienkunde, which means you know we start have to start digging in all the feminist or in the fossils that that have been there when it comes to feminism, to not always. You know, each and every generation has to redefine feminism. I don't believe in that. I think there is so much out there that we really have to, to, to use, and not only data, but so many wonderful women that have done exhausting work for over decades. And, and uh, take a step back and, and reconsider what is there and what we can reuse and use finally to actually make women, um, yeah... Um, well, I mean, we we are more than half of the world's population, you know. So, um, we really have to to take that into account and make men aware of that.
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, I I do have to say, in in many topics, I always, as you said, it's a continual learning, and most mm-hmm. of the times, especially if I don't have experience to back it up, if if I can't conduct my research in a certain field, I always see myself as a neutral observer. Like I often listen to roundtable talks with Mm -hmm. like five different opinions, because I think that's a great way to just sit back and say at the end of the thought I'm not going to reach a conclusion and say yeah. I like this this person's um, opinion or, or research best because sometimes two people do research and they come up with different yeah. things and if, if it's like if I can't do my own research or or um, have experience to back the opinion up that I might form I just try to not fell like a clear yes or no um, decision on the topic but I just sit back listen to all of the opinions and then at the end say okay I don't have to reach a conclusion and especially not because I have my own experience I have my own mindset and belief system I'm not going to let myself confirm any any bias or any Mm -hmm. opinion I'm leaning towards that really has no um you know no real any anything strong behind it to that justifies that I let myself convinced by one person where I kind of like the opinion best I I liked what you touched on when you said that these words and phrases that there are concepts in themselves and that's how I see it it's it's like these different concepts, a lot of them stem from okay, love for a planet, love for people, mm-hmm. or you know, respect, dignity, and maybe realizing that you're in a position in the world where there are certain obstacles put in your way for no reason other than being who you are, believing who you are that shouldn't be there. So, some of them are just common sense. And if you see, mm-hmm. like, I'm not a fan of them everybody having to to identify themselves and putting like sort of like your job title on it I think if you see <laughs> a a certain concept or um that that is a framework and you say okay I've now learned about this and I want to consciously yes
1: no I'm listening
0: okay <laughs> I just thought you couldn't hear me again so um if you then want to consciously follow that concept or support it and put your energy into that because you're thinking okay wow I learned about this and I really want to put my energy into that to make this concept grow then you know that's fine but I think at the end of the day a lot of the things are just why at the end can you then not just be a person who is fighting for certain things like the health of nature and just be the person who's doing that because it's a good thing to do and you feel called to that. You know, other people, they feel strongly, they, they uh, want to step in for animals. Other people want to step in for people with disabilities to help give them a voice or mm-hmm. for people with anxiety. So I, I think it's really nice to not have that as an overreaching concept that becomes your whole identity. Like today, it's a little, some people It's like your entire identity is how you... what you say your gender is, if you're vegan or not, if you're vaccinated or not. Like, you know, some of these things so trivial that really divide us. And I, I just love that we we can touch on this right now. But mm-hmm. after that, I want to talk about expedition. because yep. We want to talk a little bit more about climate topics. But I think indeed that this topic, like how people identify and these divisions that are set up are really,
1: really important to talk about as well. True. Um, so three words that came into my mind um, while listening to you were identity, belonging, and being loud. Um, I do believe that a lot of people label themselves nowadays um, because it's about um, you know it's giving them identity um, to to be um, out there as vegan or veggie or you know zero waster or activist etc. Um, and it also um so it 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 gives people sort of a a feeling about you because they have a certain understanding of the word now when it comes to feminism to to circle back to the topic that we discussed i believe that a lot of people or especially women can't be loud because they are struggling with everyday lives because of the fact that they are not um You know, they they don't have the same rights and they do all the unpaid work. They do all the care work. Um, And so I think there are so many feminists out there just through doing what they're doing every day, you know, um, raising kids without being heard, without being seen from politics, um, et cetera, uh, politicians, et cetera, um, that they can't be as loud as people that do have the best, um, you know, intentions at heart um, through being loud and, and and actually speaking up for people that don't that they tend to not even have a relationship to, which I think is crucial um, in in this kind of feminist debate to actually come back to to understand what feminism is really about and where it came from. It was really about the the, the most crucial rights that women just did not have, which is still the case in most well, in all the countries of the world. And a lot of people that then went on the streets are not walking on the streets anymore because they were either fed up with feminism and the term, which is unfortunate, but sometimes really understandable because of the the way debates in this case are, are um, sort of put out, you know? It's about, um, we, we, we tend to, to give it to certain, uh, you know, we, we sort of give it back to, to populism and right-wing parties and then they, they tend to tell us that um, gender, um, uh, the way you write things, even though language is so important, doesn't matter or is just, you know, not important, etc. We, we now have um, a political party in Austria that, um, now in my canton uh, basically, um, forbids um, to the authorities to write in a um, gender correct manner so you're not allowed to use the 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 double uh, the double e? um or also so you you can't use um gender gender um how do you say that in english Stella?
0: Uh, yeah kind of um, because in, in english obviously they they don't have the yeah, same exactly. thing yeah exactly so as that's why German i don't language, know the word yeah. exactly yeah um, yeah it's but- kind of a way to write uh the feminine and the male form of one word in the
1: German language in the same word. It's the start, you know, of how how to take away women's rights or or start actually putting putting the discussion, even though there's so much more that we should talk about when it comes to feminism and gender justice. Um, but, you know, they, they tend to take over all the populist sort of um, topics and then, you know, tend to make it look Really stupid and 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 you know oh isn't there anything else that you have to discuss you know as feminists you know, um, and so this is this is how they do it and I think this is really really dangerous too. Yeah, I think
0: yeah, um, I think that's interesting and we're kind of staying on this topic right now because I think these issues are just as much you know some of the most popular issues right now at least in the in the Western yeah. world. Also, because, you know, there are other countries who have so many other things to focus on. And I think there are really more Western world um, uh, kind of issues and topics the way we're talking about now. Like women, women's rights and um, women's right to expression, obviously, is a much bigger, tangible real life issue in other countries and not so much in European countries than in other countries where, where women are oppressed in such more grave different ways than oh, yeah. we have that today. And, um, but, and, and I always say, I want my podcast. But I mean, look, to, look, yeah. look
1: what's happening in Hungary. Look what's happening um, in Poland. So these are, you know, neighbor countries, you know? Yes. Um, and so even in Austria, you know, the right to abortion. Now they, they started to, to do surveys whether. The numbers of abortions that we have in austria are even correct so this is the first step of actually you know taking away again rights that are so crucial and important um and and you know yes look at um, what's happening in germany it's it's the same you know i i don't think that in the industrial west um yeah the debates or how we how we discuss them or how we we lead them is is terrible um, and what's happening in the global South? Um, don't even get me started um, when it comes to, to to women's rights. But I do believe that if we if we focus or if we look back at what is happening or what has been happening in the last five years when it came to to when it comes to women's rights in in even the industrialized West Western countries um, or in the U.S. I mean, look at it: um, um, Roe versus Wade and and how how the Supreme Court is is. You know, it's 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 terrible. Yeah. It's really giving me goosebumps. So I, I believe that there is a. It's terrible what's happening yeah, all mean, over the
0: planet. That is um, obviously taking away from women to the right to choose what to do with their body yep. is a huge infringement on women's rights. um uh, yep. but I I do have to say that I am neither a fan of the of the let's say, stark political left or stark political right. And I mm-hmm. think um, kind of both sides in ways retaliate against each other. You know, one one side sets up a concept and the other side um, wants to stop them from setting up that concept and vice versa. Yep. So I, I think that's really, there's really, some of it just seems like um, petty disputes in a way. You know, some person yep. comes up with an idea and and from the other side, there comes the thing, okay, obviously if they want that. We're not going to give that to them. Um, but I think there are, again, as you said, nuances. And um, I, I really don't want to step in, you know, the topic of uh, gender language, uh, gender issues, wokeness culture, because there mm. are also mm-hmm. many, many, um, let's say, disparities in all of those topics as well and as as I said I've I've heard that I can always as I said as an observer I've heard a lot of interesting arguments from both men and women both on feminism gender issues um and and I don't agree with that whole you know woke culture as well but that's a different topic I just like Mm -hmm. that we touched on it and I like that we can have conversations about all these things and I think we should have more conversations um, about all these things because, um, you know, I think not everything right off the bat has to be a huge political issue or an act of suppression. I think some things can just be like one person, maybe impolite, um, maybe uneducated, a little ignorant, and everybody has their own biases. Everybody has their own um, thoughts, feelings, expressions that we have to look at, and I think that everything always has to be blown out of proportion. Now we can, I think, put a little check mark behind mm-hmm. that. And now Good. I really <laughs> want to talk um, about X Expedition. Yeah. Um. The which is you know when you talked about it at year 2040 which we didn't even say is where we met year 2040 yep. <laughs> um, the um, event a gathering in Switzerland in La Punt that took uh, place only actually a couple of weeks ago which is crazy because it already
1: feels oh like my God, yeah, it's, it's been
0: it's, months it's, <laughs> for yeah. some reason um, and we met there I interviewed you in a like a two-minute little snippet interview that I did with so many participants that hopefully is going to be a podcast in itself soon. And you told me about X-Expedition, mm-hmm. which is an all-women Atlantic crossing voyage uh, where it focuses on on research, science, mm-hmm. microplastic is in the ocean. Please tell me about that. Why? How did you hear about it? Why did you go on this crossing and what is it all about what happened there
1: so the name x expedition so it's it's written with the double x because of the um, female chromosome that's that's the first thing that's why it's called x expedition because sometimes people are like why is it called x expedition so that's that's um, the explanation for it it is um an all-female voyage um sort of um It's a movement, I would even call it, or initiative um, that started um, in the UK. Um, The founder, Emily Penn, was not only a great sailor, but also somebody who, um, through sailing, realized how much plastic was out there in the ocean, and then started um, to also realize that women in sports are not really seen um, and don't um, get as much publicity as, as men do. So she put together these three issues and said, "Okay, there is not enough data, um, you know, or universities don't have um, enough data to to research um, or or understand um, when it comes to plastic in the ocean. Um, Second, there is not enough women seen in in STEM, in the STEM field, and um, women in sports are also underrepresented. And... um, the, the goal was to actually make 300 women on different sort of um, legs, it's called. So different um, voyages, um, sail around the globe and collect all the data needed. Unfortunately, um, Covid hit. And so um, it was not a all around the world kind of voyage rather than a, I think it was seven or eight legs in the end. I was on leg two doing the Atlantic crossing together with 13 other women. And um I heard about it from seeing Emily Penn on on stage talking about microplastic pollution. And um it was so inspiring and touching at the same time that I really put a lot of um yeah, how would say, not only effort, but also I, I just really felt that I, I had to be on this boat. Um again, I always mention that in interviews. I'm seeing this from a very Privileged perspective. I'm white. I'm a woman. I, I live. I'm a white woman. Sorry. I live in Austria, as so a very safe country, and I had the chance to even consider um, doing this this leg with Expedition. Um, luckily, I was um, chosen amongst you know uh, more than ten thousand applic- um, applicants, and um, was uh, able to sail from Ponta Delgada to Antigua in um, November. 2020, yeah, and um, it was it was mind blowing. It was it really changed me, um, and it also helps me now to discuss this topic of microplastic pollution, but also on um, you know big corporations and plastic packaging, etc. Um, because I saw it with my own eyes, and and this, it touched my heart, and so this is why I put up my sleeves to really make people aware of. Why um, Why why it matters to to really help? Well, not only hold big multinational corporations accountable, but also make people understand that in certain regions of the world, we don't really need to, or single-use plastic should be forbidden.
0: That's extremely interesting. And then maybe uh, uh, talk about how a day on that on that ship boat sailboat (laughs) looks like on a small (laughs) vessel Yeah. yes Uh, do what kind of training do you have to um undergo before do you have to have prior experience Um yeah maybe you can share some of that
1: yes of course so i did um i had um sailing experience beforehand but it was not necessary um because Mm -hmm. emily's pen approach was to take as many women or to, to have a very broad range of of um you know, of age and, and ethnicity on the boats. Um, because her goal was to actually make the women not only have the experience, but then go back to their home countries and, um, you know, use their own language um, to, to make people aware of the plastic issue. So I think that's a really, really smart approach. It was about, I, I, I don't like this um, this wording, but it, it's basically raising a, an army um, to fight microplastic pollution. It's a very... Yeah way of saying things but you know what I mean right (laughs) Um, yes so yeah that that was really really cool um and so I was on board with um 10 other nationalities and um no sorry seven because some were from the UK yeah so it was seven nationalities and um I think the youngest participant I think M was 22 back then and um yeah the Ricky and, and and Barbara were around, I think mid in their mid fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean that uh, that's always great to have to have so many different, you know, people with different backgrounds, life exactly. experiences, exactly. opinions. I bet you
1: did a lot, a lot of talking during that time on, yes. on the road. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we had because you were asking how a usual day looked like. So basically, it was we were. Um, set up in, in teams why because you always have to have somebody um, either cooking or cleaning or obviously sailing yeah. the research um, so it was uh, we, we 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 worked in four hour shifts so it was um, sailing cooking, sleeping research sailing cooking sleeping research etc and and um, if we were three teams so you did have um, time to um, you know, Read or cook or do research or just meditate or um yeah, support your your colleagues on, bo- um, on board.
0: Yeah, but then that's interesting because I mean, who then conducted the research? You know, I mean, somebody had to have some idea or expertise. Yeah, yeah. Was there anybody on the
1: boat? We with had, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a scientific lead, so we did have professional sailors with us, obviously. Uh-huh. So. Um, Anna is, is the coolest skipper that I know, she, she's in, really incredible, and we had Sophie and Maggie um, being um, the support, so three professional sailors, and we always had one of them, um, you know, during our sailing shift, so during the night, it would not be my team to sailing, just the three of us, but you would always have somebody, like the expert, expert, checking whether everything was going okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, research-wise, we had Winnie with us. Winnie is, is one of the, um, well, she's really an expert in marine biology. And she's um, with the University of Plymouth. And she conducted all the, she was, you know, the number one when it comes to um, all the, the research and conducting it. How How
0: did you start your morning? When you got up in the morning, let's mm-hmm. say, just one day you can remember how would you describe it from from morning to night just so people can mm-hmm. really get it get
1: it yeah. inside so because of this rotation uh, or of the rotation um system that we had we had different different shifts um each day so sometimes you would have to get up at four in the morning and do the four until eight sailing or you know so so that that changed mm-hmm. um, getting up usually looked like um well leaving your bunk um, in, in the boat and um, the boat was quite small so we didn't have too much space but it was just just fine um, getting up um, depending on the weather outside you would uh, put on your your wet gear or not what is it called swim vest or sorry yes we always had to wear it on deck and we already always had to be connected to the boat too so you would have strings all over the boat um, that would connect you, so your life jacket to to the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, so when it gets bumpy or extremely wavy, that you know we don't have a women overboard maneuver, which yeah. is not, <laughs> not fun. Um, so getting up, then um, first steps, either go to the kitchen and prepare tea or coffee for the for the other um, crew members, which you know we also rotated. You know, we we always you know jumped or stepped in for, for one another and that, that was really nice. So um, we had coffee on deck or tea and basically one person already started sailing or doing the work um, and um, mainly, well, we, we had great talks, we listened to podcasts, we discussed um, climate issues, um, personal issues, all of that and really, well, used, used the time to, to deeply connect and I think that's, that's what sisterhood can look like. You know, um even without not not knowing each other before um getting getting on boat um and then just leaving as a family
0: that yeah. was pretty
1: pretty impressive yeah, I can imagine if you're
0: if you're on on a such in a such small <laughs> space for yeah. for a long time, how long did it take three weeks three weeks yeah on a small space in Three weeks every day, you're seeing the same people having, you know, the whole day to talk. Yeah, just and just the ocean, of, you know. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, just the ocean. What was? I mean, was there any points where where it was scary for you, or where you said you had a situation you didn't really feel comfortable
1: with? Uh, actually, not really. I think we were. I tend to be quite adventurous, so, mm-hmm. so you know. Um, but I, I well, sometimes, of course, in the middle of the night, you know, there was one one uh, night where we where things got really bumpy, and um, obviously because there's just no light around you, which yeah. is great because there's no light pollution, but you would uh, just work with your headlamp, and um, to conduct all the the um, the scientific work, we had this extra pole on on the boat um, to to actually. Um, be able to use the manta troll that we used on the surfuit, which I which I might explain later on. And um, I was the one that was in charge of this this kind of pole because I'm quite, you know, I'm um, strong, and so I, I I was um yeah in front, and it was kind of this standing there, and it was pretty dark and pretty bumpy, and and this was this moment where I was like, okay, I don't want to fall into this water right now um but that was the, the only moment i think where, where mm-hmm. i was like okay this would not be nice to, to now fall into the water yeah. um but but yeah other than that it was always very very yeah
0: did, um, but, can, can you tell me a little uh, about what you learned and um, doing the research what research did you collect and, mm-hmm. and
1: gather by the end of those three weeks and, and how did you collect it um, there were different, or there are different ways of, of collecting the data, plus, um, as as I mentioned, Winnie from the University of Plymouth also was in touch with other professors from other universities, which I think is a great idea, again, to, to ask them which data they would need based mm-hmm. on um, their experience, but also their um, sort of um, focus in research. So some of them University of Tokyo needed um, data um, based on, on, on larvae and eggs um, that mm-hmm. we we'll, um, c- collect for them. The University of um, Hawaii wanted to, to understand um, the, um, how much plastic we found based or in, in the, the so-called dryers, in the accumulation zone. So we had different sort of requests we wanted to fulfill um copianicus you know they wanted to calibrate their satellites so they we they would be able to to find ghost nets um you know from industrial fishery fisheries to to understand okay how do we how do we uh, focus on on certain things like that um Mm -hmm. make their their satellites um more focused on that so that that was um, sort of the the agenda we had and um we had, therefore, different ways of collecting the data for the for the universities. Um, and so we did um, sediment sampling before we started sailing. So we just checked on how polluted is the the sediment or the the soil in the harbor. How mm-hmm. much plastic can we find there? While sailing, we did a lot of um, you know tracking of of big. Um, plastic pieces um and and gave all the coordinates to botanicals so that they could check whether they could find it um we we sampled um the larvae for university of tokyo through just um using a it basically looks like how did i oh, um, it actually looks like a very big um sieve basically that you would um, just put on the water and then for for many many times to um, have some of the larvae or, or eggs actually within the seed, and then put them into sample boxes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then uh, with the manta trawling, um, which is that you basically have something looking like a, like a, a manta ray um, that you would, um, and therefore we also had to use the pole. So you have this pole that um, is either on the right or left side of the of the boat, and then you have the manta trawl on it. So it basically the boat and the manta trawl go parallel Um, and the the manta collects water plus also obviously the plastic that is on the surface, but also within a, I would say, down to, depending on the waves, you know, so it it does have some depth um, that it goes into. And then um, we always use the same same amount of, or the same um, uh, range, basically, so that you could actually also um, compare the data you know Mm -hmm. so uh, in in the um, radius of um 500 meters we found x amount of microplastic um and had this kind of um um this kind of flow of water in this sample so you always have to make samples comparable and then we did um, the niskin bottle sampling which means that you would um throw um something that looks like a small um very hard to explain actually it's it's just a small container let's say that goes um down until well, 30 meter, uh, 30 minute sorry 30 min- meters um and you would then um pull it up back again and see how many um plastic um, particles you would find in the in the depth of 30 meters some some of the of the research that we that we did i bet during
0: those three three weeks i mean did you did you have any prior experience with like uh, collecting scientific uh, samples or or data or anything like that not not like that no. yeah so I, I bet those three we- weeks probably in three weeks you can learn more than sometimes you can learn in a year yeah. it yeah. sounds incredible yeah i mean I would 100% be, be so open because I, I love the sea and the water and I'm around it far mm. too little, but I, I could never be on a boat for three weeks because alone, like I'm just the type of person that if, if everything around me is moving all the time, oh. I could not stand oh, I get it. it. Oh, but you get very used to it. Trust me. <laughs> but it's so great that you did that, and I mean the the ideas people come up with, like how you know Emily Penn in this case had the idea and said, you know, I want to set this up, and she made <laughs> it available for 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 people to or for
1: women to experience this Atlantic crossing. Um, I, well, I other think... crossings too. So they did Pacific cross, and so. There were different, different parts, you know, and, and there was expedition. I think they started in two 2015, two uh, there was a crossing beforehand. And then there was this all around the world kind of huge project that, um, as I said, unfortunately was not um, being able to to be finished because of COVID. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it sounds um, like a great, great adventure. Mm-hmm. um and um yeah i mean at the at the end basically all the the research other universities wanted it was it was given to them the research exactly. yeah mm-hmm. and then the research about the which the main focus then was plastic pollution right um, Yeah. is there an independent like research center or Emily uh, Penn? does she have anything set up where 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 you the research you collect you also use for for your own
1: cause, for the X ex- expedition cause, or research center, something like that. Yes. Yeah, so basically, the data was was taken back to, to Plymouth, to Plymouth University mm-hmm. with Winnie. There were some publications coming out, um, and of course, the data was was shared. Um, you know, th- through through different or w- within um, this kind of academic um, um, circle, let's say, um, to to actually put pressure on um, also governments etc because this is what 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 expedition is also trying on the on the long um run you know there's so much plastic already in the oceans and what emily penn said was was quite um well it, it still gives me goosebumps she, she said you know if if a water um if your bathtub is running over you know what do you do you don't take all the towels that you find and put them in front of it so that it can soak up the water you go to the tab and just you know, make the the water stop, and this is something that we have to do with the plastic. You know, um, there is so much plastic still co- um, coming into or getting into the ocean every day, um, every second, every minute, actually. Um, that getting the plastic out is one thing, but also making sure <laughs> that there, that there is not more plastic getting into the ocean is way more crucial, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the I mean, there are so many crisis right now and huge projects that need to be tackled that I think some people are completely exasperated and overwhelmed. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, so many so many issues. I mean, if it's biodiversity, a change of climate, um, yeah, I think, if yeah, biodiversity plastic stuff. pollution, other yeah. pollution, yeah. It's,
1: it's just a lot. I don't know whether the listeners have, um, could I just give you some about the ocean or why it is so crucial to actually protect it. Sure, because of course. In, um, mainly in, in our country, and we don't have access to the ocean, so that's why a lot of people tell me, oh, um, you know, plastic in the ocean is not my thing or, or it doesn't yeah. really get to me because I'm not responsible for it. So the reason why our planet is called the Blue Planet is because 71% of the surface, of Earth's surface, um, are covered um, by the ocean. And um, it's also the biggest habitat, you know. Um, in in, in the, well, it's the biggest habitat. So it's it's insane to to think about it, right? Okay. Um, the ocean generates more than fifty percent of the oxygen we breathe. That's why it's actually the lung of the earth. Um, the reason why our oceans now get more um, well, the 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 pH. Um, um, uh, what is it called? The behavior um, changes yeah, The now. oceans are acidifying. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The acidity changes because it has it, it absorbed so much of the carbon emissions recently. So that's um, insane. It captured up to now 90 percent of the um, of the of the heat generated by CO2 emissions. Um, and now this changes obviously because there has been so much heat absorbed, and the CO2 is obviously now it's a chemical sort of formula. It's now um, sort of, it, it's reacting, you know, with exactly with the water, and so it changes, right? And um, what what I also love to tell people is that um, so much, so so much plastic um, is actually um, brought into the ocean through river systems. It's 80% of the current trash that we find in the ocean, found or had its its um, origin. Origin, exactly in the middle of of basically the countries. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and not just that. I mean, every minute uh,
0: plastic is is being dumped in the ocean, but as you said, from from rivers everywhere. I mean, there are some countries where people actually throw their trash Mm -hmm. also in in rivers because there are no, Mm -hmm. let's say, proper waste disposal systems, which is also Mm -hmm. a myth because also our plastic uh, from countries like where I am, Germany... um, in um, um, Austria where you are the, the trash gets exported to countries yeah. where they don't have let's say waste oh, yeah. disposal systems um, yeah. and then it also essentially just gets dumped and i mean as you
1: said everything
0: is or burned
1: which then leads yeah. to yeah so it's yeah
0: yeah everything is interconnected and i mean oh, waterways yeah. get get polluted through through industries and factories all over the world and it it all ends up basically in the same place. And as you talked about, Plymouth University, all over the UK, there are constantly um, um, problems with with sewage because the, the oh, government yeah. is letting the, the sewage run off all over uh, into the waters. I think, mm-hmm. uh, was it Loch um, um, uh, Ness? I think that that's in Ireland or or Scotland, I'm not sure, where they're actually, I think it was Loch Ness or, or some other body of water, um, where a, a dog actually died after playing mm-hmm. or, or drinking in the water and they actually put up a sign which said, you know, it's hazardous to, to swim here um, and y- y- you might get actually really sick. And I think what people don't realize, people look at the ocean and it's a place for vacation. For some people, it's their mm-hmm. source of living through small-scale fishing, etc. It, it's just that something is as vast and huge and magical and the source of yeah. so much wonder and awe in the world, which which you're saying covers most of our planet, much more yep. than land and absorbs much more uh, CO2 than actually trees and, yep. you know, the, the land mass does. Um, it's, it's so incredible that, first of all, we know so actually comparatively little about, about it. it yeah. I think we know more about the surface of the moon than we do of the bottom yeah. bottom bottom of the ocean and yep. people don't don't realize that also you know maybe not we as private people but corporations and our economic systems are exploiting and uh, polluting yeah. the the ocean so much that we're actually turning one ecosystem at it at a time against us or or exactly or, and uh, if, if the ocean yeah. dies
1: we all dies because it's also you know in charge of actually and i think it was in the news recently again you know it's actually moving um the the weather yes yeah yeah
0: it it does and i think it's it's just you know we've all heard it before the the gulf stream and you know when people don't understand it i i always like to call it a. Chemiebaukasten, yeah. uh, in, in german yeah. um which which would kind of uh, translate to kind of a chemistry set chemistry you know sets, yeah. there are certain um let's say molecules atoms mm-hmm. chemical structures and compounds like Uh, different greenhouse gases etc and if the balance is upset you know it's going to change things and in this case it's changing things for the negative in in ways that are not conducive to how human life is organized on earth and it's as simple as that Um, and it's not just something that you need data for it's not just something Mm -hmm. you need some remote scientific you know data for which you obviously need but I mean, people can see it where they live. You just have to go to these places or see documentaries on it. You know, Mm -hmm. things are changing whether you have the right amount of scientific arguments. You know, if people then, you know, people sometimes argue on these trivialities, but these are things that the the ocean and most or all ecosystems, because they're all interconnected, are are suffering gravely. That's something you can see. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to put you know two people in the room one who agrees and one who disagrees and then the one who agree has to have you know those big arguments and big words and impressive rhetoric to convince people that it's true that that you know earth systems are suffering and i think that's such Mm -hmm. bullshit i'm sorry to have to say it because it's like you can see those things if you're looking if you're looking at ecosystems and you know what to look for and what you're looking at, you can just plain see it with your own eyes. You can mm-hmm. feel it. You don't need all those fancy words and data to back that up. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure what was maybe one of the most profound things you, you came away from X ex- expedition uh, after you were done? Was there anything you said, okay, this really impressed me most or this is going to stay with me forever regarding the ocean?
1: Yeah, first of all, the beauty of the ocean. Second, that's not, not yeah, I mean, there's a new agenda of the UN that by 2030, 30% of the, of the ocean should be protected. Um, but to understand, or to see actually how human-made, I mean, um, there's this quote that, that I think Janneke, one, one of my um, colleagues that sailed with me from Malta said, um, so we wrote the blog during, during um, sailing, and she said, do fish eat with spoons? why a spoons because we found a spoon that um, was was well, it was half of a spoon but you could see that this is something that was human-made yeah and and so to, to actually understand to be sailing for such a long time without honestly seeing anything besides whales dolphins and tons of plastic and uh, you know like garden chairs and stuff like that we found um, was was really eye-opening to see that there's not a single not a single bit or a single place on this ocean that human humans haven't touched or, mm-hmm. or sort of, um, well, yeah. Impacted in a negative yeah. way, yeah, impacted. Um, so that was the one thing. And the other thing, obviously, was that to understand that we were pretty excited um, on the first days to find so much plastic because our idea was to, to collect as much data, you know, and uh, to make a case and to, to go after multinational co- um, companies, etc., and have all the data in place to tell them, stop doing this, right? Um, and keep your fucking turtles out of, of the ocean. Um, but at the same time, <laughs> we were like, oh, shit, this is not a good thing that we find that much plastic. Yeah. You
0: know?
1: So we, in the first yeah. In the beginning, we were quite excited about collecting the data, but then, at the same time, we realized, oh, this is not a good sign, and we should actually be very, very sad to to find so much plastic. Um, yeah. So that that yeah was was definitely a learning of of yeah. Yeah. That we always have to think things through, which humankind is not very good at. at yeah,
0: I think um, often humans are very short-term oriented you know that what is affecting me right now that is reality and even if somebody tells me that in five ten years or if right now somewhere else something bad is happening it's exactly
1: there's kind of like this disconnect i feel yeah and it happens somewhere else to somebody else in the future yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and and i think sometimes it's not even um uh like um an ill-willed type of um, why should I act but it's more of a of a feeling I don't know it's this 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 human thing of maybe maybe it's still a very old you know survival instinct that we most of us have 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 to feel the pain to actually get going yeah or or
1: that we
0: yes or that we use our energy and capacity Mm -hmm. to deal with what is here now you Mm -hmm. know to deal with everyday life and obviously that right now we inevitably have to change Um, but I think it's sometimes not even ill will. I think it's more like an inborn, and that again is speculation because I don't have anything to back it up. It just feels like that to me
1: from what I, I can observe. May I? May I just um, end with a quote that I really love? It's from um, Africa Brook, and it says, "Whatever you're not changing, you're choosing." And I think this is hopefully something that makes people that listen to this, think, and. Um, yeah, so there's a lot we still can save and our heart should be moved by all we still can save and not by everything we've lost already. Um, so yeah, whatever you're not changing, you're choosing.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, I've actually heard that quote before and I I, I really like that one, and both in personal life and let's say in, in yeah. all the <laughs> sure. other problems that are going on because that can also be a very personal <laughs> quote. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah I I thank you so much for coming on I actually want to touch on one last thing but thank you for for telling us about x expedition and uh, having that little feminism chat and on that note uh, this Mm -hmm. touch on because as I said really these political left political right political correctness and wokeness and gender issues it's something Mm -hmm. I'm I'm listening to a lot at the moment. I feel like drawn to I want to understand kind of yeah. all sides a little better. Um, and also the side that is not a big fan of that. I have to say, mm-hmm. I'm I'm so interested in, in in the arguments there. And I myself, I always feel, you know, that's, I guess, gotten a, a, to be a bit of a Harry Styles quote, but it's like, treat people with kindness. Yeah, it's like true. not so much about always about you know what you think has to be politically right or not right it's more like sometimes common decency and just being kind to each other and Mm -hmm. treating each other with respect and dignity until the other person shows you they don't deserve your respect i think Mm -hmm. is a good idea but you've said now twice in the interview um in kind of like an apologetic way this really interests me because I think it's also such a new phenomenon you said you know from a white woman and a privileged position and for me the question is I I've heard people say that you know many times in kind of like this uh, apologetic way you know and for me Mm -hmm. sometimes the question is why do you first of all again I think in my opinion, apologizing for being white or Caucasian or German no, 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 or no, Austrian, no, no. yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's like so. I, I want to understand it because I've I've heard it several times. Mm-hmm. Why why do people say that?
1: Well, first, um, maybe it came across a bit uh, apologetic, but it was just a I am aware of that kind of um saying. To be to be frank, um, I I don't it's not I don't feel bad about it I just want people to know that I am aware of the fact that I don't struggle with um, surviving you know or I'm not saying that everybody does that who is not white and not you know what I mean but I think just being aware of the fact that there's other women out there that have they you know struggles in surviving to to especially in the global south and this is not a um, victim kind of thing. I always say that Africa is not underdeveloped; it's overexploited, um, and so just just being aware of those things. Um, and it's not about guilt or, or victimizing or saying that. Well, I do believe we have we have to to be um, yeah aware of that, and we do have a certain responsibility to fix it. Um, and I'm actually. Uh, well, other feminists, I've learned so much from other feminists um, that that are not white and privileged as I am, even more than that I learned from any other one. And so, yeah, it, it's not an all apologetic um, move rather than a, I am aware of the fact that this is, this is what I, well, I was born and raised in Austria, so that's a different thing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah I think it's just, um, you know, it's something for me, I can't really yet understand that I recognize 100% that there are systemic issues and I think Mm -hmm. issues like for example in the U.S. not teaching people even about what uh, uh, the civil war was really about um, Mm -hmm. etc I think there are huge issues to be addressed and people people are still being treated differently because of um their background their parents mm-hmm. in ethnicities even sometimes their grandparents religious affiliation and that's absolute yep. bullshit no matter where you come from but you yep, have to to say and we don't have to come to a conclusion here i <laughs> i just wanted to talk to you because you you know said that but mm-hmm. it's for me it's a little like i live in germany and you know germany obviously has a kind of recent history um yep. Would I have to, it's kind of like the thing, would I have to apologize for not being, you know, Jewish? If somebody then is Christian, I'm not religious uh, in any way. I don't have a religious affiliation. There are obviously people um, in my family lineage, ancestors who have had different religious affiliation, who have had different backgrounds.
1: But then do you have to apologize, you know, for everything that you're not? hmm. Again, I, I, I don't know, I don't think so. Um, sometimes you do, or you could apologize. I'm sorry, my sorry. Um, so sometimes, or I believe that some people sh- could apologize for for things they are in a way of like, if they're not decent and kind, and you know, you, what you yes, mentioned beforehand, yeah. you know, um so maybe that's a new take on on, on that, what we should apologize for or should we even apologize but I think awareness and accountability are, are different from apologetic behavior so or you know I, I do think that we we could agree on um, no in my opinion, it's not necessarily something that you should apologize for rather than just be aware of and then take it from there and try to be as decent and as loving and as kind as possible, either to nature or to other humans. I think this is this is maybe the, the take that we, we could, yeah, or something that we could both take away from that. <laughs> yeah, and, and no, I,
0: as I said, I just... Um, and if you just have a few more minutes, you can also stop me here. It's just I, I've i been kind of yearning so much to to discuss this a little further with somebody because it's been a topic that's been really on my mind. And right now, in some political climates, like especially in the US, some of these things we would be discussing here, you know, people get cancelled, they get bullied in mm-hmm. the workplace oh, yeah. and called racist and white supremacist. Uh-huh. And I think these words are also such generalizations. And then obviously, yep. if you say something in the US, for people, it has a totally different weight if you're saying it in Italy, because there are different histories. And yep. for me, the question is always, where does it stop? You know, if you say, okay... I'm a white woman and I was privileged to be born here, etc. But then you could also be like, okay, uh, saying, you know, I'm a white woman. My parents were very wealthy. I am not vegan. I don't uh, care about plastic pollution. I blah,
1: blah, blah. You know, the list could go yeah, yeah, on yeah. and on and on. But then we come back, I think then we come back to identity and what we discussed in the first place or in the beginning of this conversation about what? How, how far do we have to label ourselves and why did it become so important to have certain labels and um, especially on social media, etc. And isn't it or shouldn't it be in the center of, of everybody's understandings and also identity forming to say it's not about what you do or not do but about the way, how you behave. Yeah, And I think, you know, you know, there is feminists that usually or sometimes don't um, behave in the way other feminists want them to behave. There is vegetarians that sometimes don't behave as they, you know, as, as, as other vegetarians assume or other people say they should behave. There is, you know, it's it's about um, not labeling rather than really finding your true self and and just not being loud about what labels you carry rather than yeah being loud about with an, in, in sharing love and just being being okay with other people's different opinions because I think that's also crucial. We stopped discussing. We stopped yeah. um discussing in a non-emotional finger pointing bullshitting way. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's exactly like discourse,
0: discussions, open conversation, that is what important. I yep. absolutely hate and despise cancel culture because I think that yep. gets you absolutely nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. And just because one person voices a political opinion that a certain group had, has decided is not acceptable anymore, and mm-hmm. that person may be backing it up with either scientific fact or or personal experience, and you can say, I disagree with that, but you don't have to you know, remove that person from a conversation or society <laughs> because that yep. implies... That you are the person who
1: is all-knowing and who is who has plus, got everything right. this this feeds all the this basically um pays into all this black and white um sort of um scheme where no gray zones where people actually meet to discuss and then go back into their white or black bubbles. You know, because this is this is so important to to actually um to to meet maybe you know on a certain on a field let's say um discuss. Maybe sometimes agree to disagree and then go back into your, you know, into your zone and then, but also have discussions there, you know? Yeah. And and this is not happening enough anymore. It's not happening in feminism enough. It's not happening when it comes to climate um, justice. It doesn't, you know, when, when it comes to the biodiversity crisis, I think people should talk more, discuss more, and be open-minded when it comes to discussions and um just just agree that other opinions are great and important and necessary to actually move us into or or you know to to um, to change the the let's say, the goal that we are heading towards into something that makes sure that we still have a planet that we that is uh, yeah um, livable. So I think we can <laughs> wrap this up in a sentiment that we can
0: agree with it's it's um important to learn about histories, to to educate yourself, to be aware, but to just generally go a little back to let's become a little more grounded, go back to basics, look each other eye to eye, just simply as human beings. If you see injustices, step in, you know, try to be a good person and try and act and live in accordance with nature and you know just the things that are basic human needs and let's exactly. just act uh, in kindness with one another so exactly. as you said we can't <laughs> philosophize everything here today thank you so much for taking the time to touch on all these things with me though and to go into so many different
1: angles you were in Absolutely lovely interview partner, and it was <laughs> nice <you> so <laughs> hearing from you again. Thank you so much, Stella, also for your time um, and also for being such a very well inspiring young woman. Um, I learned a lot during this conversation, so you learn through um, not speaking but listening. So, thank you for being allowed to listen to you and your um, points of view. That was very inspiring. <laughs> Also, I want to acknowledge and honour Indigenous
0: and First Nations peoples as custodians of most of planet Earth's biodiversity and bearers of ancient knowledge. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and recognise all Indigenous and First Nations peoples' strength, resilience and deep connection to nature. Thank you.